0: Today, on the Women Mind the Water Artivist series on WomenMindTheWater.com, I'm speaking with Angela Absher. She's a tech savvy, data driven commercial lawyer. Angela is also the founder of Sales to Shelter, the not for profit repurposes elite and super yacht sales into shade and shelter for humanitarian aid around the world. The Women Mind the Water Art Series podcast ocean. on womenmindthewater.com engages artists in conversation in about their work and explores far. their connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. I'm speaking with Angela Absher. Angela earned a law degree from the University of Baltimore Law School with a focus on intellectual property law Angela has worked in many areas of business, including product development. In 2020, she founded Sale to Shelter, a not-for-profit that transforms elite sales into shade and shelter. Angela came up with the idea when she started offshore racing in 2018. Her idea was that these strong but lightweight fabrics might be used in settings where permanent construction is too costly and where building supplies might not be readily available or suitable for the purpose. Welcome, Angela. I am grateful that you are able to join me on the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast. I am interested to hear more about your creative solution. But before we explore Sail to Shelter, I'd like to know a little bit about you. Your story begins in Wyoming, where you grew up. Tell us about Wyoming. What was your life like growing up there?
1: Thank you, Pam, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. Wyoming is a long way from the water, that is for sure i um i was I was born in Arkansas, and my father's business uh, moved us to Wyoming, where I developed a huge love and respect for nature and being outside and Also appreciated that I might like to be outside where it was warmer. So I just turned out to be maybe more of a lizard than a polar bear. All
0: right. So why did you choose to study journalism when you went off to college?
1: I loved words. I wanted to be a speechwriter. And then what happened was Napster happened, frankly. And when Napster happened, I was appalled at the idea uh, that we weren't going to pay artists for their work. And it motivated me to go to law school to try to understand that tension between art, commerce, and technology. I couldn't believe that. I mean, what were we going to do if we were decided that we weren't going to pay musicians anymore?
0: Okay. So how did you become interested in sailing?
1: The beauty of it? the, the water, the romance, the, it, it always has been fascinating to me. And it, and, and for some reason, just no fear of any of that, just to me, it was just a, wasn't a yearning for me. It wasn't like I've spent my life trying to get on a sailboat. It, I mean, I've always appreciated it. I've been on sailing trips, I've done some things, but it wasn't until I got in a race that I was like, and and so whether it was the competition or it just was a different, it turned, it turned into a different thing from being this beautiful sailing experience into this competitive dance that you're in this amazing team on. It was completely different.
0: So somewhere along the line, you became involved with elite sailing and Grand Prix racing. What do these terms mean and how specialized are they from the general notion of competitive sailing?
1: it's a great question i've spent much of the last 4 years learning about sail material and how and how there are as many different sailing materials available as there are weather patterns around the world so cloth is made special for different for for different weather conditions and for different boats and for different i mean it's it's like thinking of we we say a car and that encompasses Formula One race cars and, and broken down Pintos. Those are all cars, right? So it's the same as boats. There are just as many options and versions in boats or sailing boats, which then would be that many options in sales and more because you can have a million, you can have a dozen different sales per boat. So Elite and Grand Prix just move us into really a size and a quality that is that has durability and functionality requirements that are extraordinary. I mean, the material is designed to drag a ship across the ocean, what else can it do?
0: Some of these sails apparently are large enough to cover our soccer field and between their technical materials and their size, I imagine these sails aren't likely to be inexpensive or easy to purchase. Give us an idea of what a sail might cost and how many companies manufacture these sails.
1: I cannot tell you how much they cost because I don't know, but I will tell you that it is a highly specialized skill set and there are only about, there are about four major sail manufacturers and then there are smaller sail manufacturers around the world, but there are four or five major sail manufacturers.
0: This is like the top end of sailing, I imagine. So how did you get to uh, be introduced to Grand Prix racing, if it's like this really narrow uh, type of racing? I just asked
1: a lot of questions. I kept proposing a solution to to two problems, right? Humanitarian aid and a a valuable second use for the material. And it led me to the material that would be most suited
0: Ah, for my needs. Yeah.
1: But whether it's a feature or a bug, I'm not afraid to write a cold email or make a cold telephone call and ask someone for help. And I've been really, really fortunate in the responses from people.
0: Good for you. Thanks. I like that, that you've taken the idea of sailing, thought about how to use the sale, and then figured out where you could get sales that would support your idea. Do you know how fast these boats go? I mean, we've got this highly technical um, sail, and they're large, so. 20 knots. You can race a boat at 20
1: knots, 23 miles an hour. Okay. I mean, that's that's a little, that's, that's a smaller boat, but that's, you can get a boat cooking.
0: Okay. It uh, doesn't mean anything to me because, you know, I think of car speeds, but I'm sure when I get off of this and research it, 23 knots is pretty fast. 20,
1: 20 knots is 23 miles an hour.
0: Okay. Do you think it's the speed or the technological innovation that draws people to the sport?
1: It's the water.
0: It's the water. That's lovely. Just being out in the water?
1: I mean, you can't, I mean, it's, I have chills just thinking about like, we're all just trying to get to the water, right? We're all just blue minds. There isn't anybody that I've met that isn't there because they love the ocean and the water.
0: All right. So you're sailing among people who love the water and some who want to go faster. But how is it that your mind turned to repurposing the sails for humanitarian purposes?
1: This is where it gets good. And I'll try to keep it brief but what it was for me was at the time i was working in sustainable fashion creating a secondary marketplace for dead stock material in the garment industry so there's an entire there's an entire ecosystem of material that has never been turned into a garment for one way or for one reason or another and because that's what i was because I had visibility across that. When I stepped on a sailboat, I was thinking, well, where's this dead stock going? And then where are these sails going? Because they're essential. I mean, they're not trash. They're just not winning races anymore. So it's a highly technical and, and tuned instrument. And after a few races, it might not race as fast. And so I just because I came up with a mother and a grandmother who saved every piece of ribbon that they ever had off of anything in the world. I, it's just in my nature to figure out what are we going to do with it next. And when I tried to help, I thought, well, we'll just help with homelessness here. These these sales are all over, and they're right located in our in cities that have the, the worst problem with homelessness. What a perfect solution, right? But when you try to help homeless people in this country, it gets gets very difficult and it becomes very political. And it didn't feel like my calling to solve that problem. It felt like my calling to solve this one. And if I can prove it in disaster areas where people are much less critical over what we're bringing to help them, then I can prove what we can do. And then if anybody wants to take what we've done in these other areas and utilize what we've figured out to help homeless problems in other countries, fine. But for me, the amount of material that is available for this should be used for people who literally have nothing.
0: I think that's really worthwhile. And I have to say that living here in Maine, I know there are a number of companies that repurpose sales and they do it into totes and some into clothes. But to my knowledge, no one else has thought of repurposing sales to serve as shelters. So having started my own nonprofit in 2022, I'm aware of the work involved in getting off the ground. It's not easy. Uh, What obstacles has sales to shelter encountered? For example, have you difficulty getting the sales or getting the capital to create the shelters and ship them?
1: Yes. Everything has been difficult. Um, Everything has been difficult. But I don't mind that part. Um, I knew it was going to be difficult. So you just prepare for it to be difficult and then prepare to solve the problems as they come up. And every time somebody said, you can't do it for this reason, this reason, or this reason, I went to try to figure out how to get over that obstacle. Mm -hmm. We are studying, we're in our second year of research at North Carolina State University in the textile engineering department, because some of this material, I mean, all of it is nothing but polyester and none of it can be recycled. And all of it is going into landfill. So we're trying to figure out innovative ways to break this down or turn them into road patches or roads or buildings or blocks. But in the meantime, some of the material is extraordinary and can become refugee camps. And so why not?
0: But I think I also heard you say that you haven't built the shelters yet. It's still in a concept form.
1: They're on Maui right now. We We are installing a number of different solutions on Maui right now.
0: Okay. That's good to know. Well, I I like the message that you're sending. You knew it was going to be difficult. So you were prepared for the frustration and you accepted the challenge. That's that's great. I hope listeners will think about that when they try and tackle something they want to uh, make a difference in. So why Angela, did you choose to devote your personal capital to making this particular vision a reality?
1: I mean, I'm not sure that I chose that. I think that as this evolved, don't get me wrong, I'm open to taking money. But it, it is, I've had to prove, right? There's been so much resistance that it's been hard to raise money for it. And so there's been so much in-kind donation from transportation grants to architects and engineers who give who have given me 160 hours of, I mean, we've had design charrettes full of 12 and 15 architects and engineers from, we've done amazing things because people really are interested in solving the problem. And when you put the material in someone's hands, and you explain what we have an opportunity to do, then it comes clear, the material just isn't readily available. It's not something you can go buy. for. They're made for one thing, and that one thing most people never see. I believe that the sailing community needs to take responsibility for the sails. They've never done it, not once. 97% of all sails go into landfill, and they always have. And until somebody does something, they always will.
0: So I guess your wildest dream is for sale to shelter to become so successful that the demand for the shelters will outgrow the availability of supply.
1: Well, that happened before I ever started. Really? I mean, we'll never be able to, we'll never have enough, there will never be enough sales to help the displaced refugee crisis. Okay.
0: Um, and it-
1: they're not going to quit making sales.
0: Okay um i wonder what happens when they run out of petroleum product though
1: wouldn't it be nice
0: yeah um as a person who spends time on the water i wonder what you think about the state of the ocean where do you think our attention would best be focused
1: plastics ocean plastics
0: ocean plastic
1: get them out
0: Okay. That's a simple, direct answer. And we all need to pay attention to that because each one of us can in our own way reduce plastic. Angela, do you have advice for listeners who dream of making a positive difference? What if they think they lack the skills to tackle a big idea or simply feel overwhelmed by the notion of taking on a big idea? How might they work toward their dream?
1: Just don't give up. It never made sense to me until I've had this, I mean, don't give up, did not make sense to me until I had the choice to give up or not give up. And so to me, the problem was big enough. And so if you find a problem in your heart that's big enough and it's different, people are always going to want to do things the same way. But if its system is broken and you have an idea about how you can fix it or change it or make it better, then it's worth it. So don't give up.
0: All right. So thank you, Angela, for joining me on the Women Mind the Water Art of a Series podcast and sharing your story. I think you are a terrific role model and example of how people, no matter what their background, can find ways to make a positive difference. I'd like to remind listeners that I've been speaking with Angela Apshur, a lawyer and product innovator who founded a nonprofit to create emergency shelter alternatives from high-tech racing sale fabric, fabric that has outlived its original purpose. Angela Apshur is the latest guest on the Women Mind the Water Art of a Series podcast. The series can be viewed on WomenMindTheWater.com, Museum on Main Street, and YouTube. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on WomenMindTheWater.com, on iTunes, and Spotify. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the use of her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris This is Pam Ferris Solson.